Welcome to the BreastCancer.org podcast, the award-winning podcast that brings you the latest information on breast cancer research, treatments, side effects, and survivorship issues through expert interviews, as well as personal stories from people affected by breast cancer. Here's your host, BreastCancer.org Senior Editor, Jamie DiPolo. Hello, as always, thanks for listening. On July 30th, 2020, BreastCancer.org hosted a virtual town hall to hear from medical experts and patients about the effect of COVID-19 on breast cancer care. During the town hall, the medical experts answered many questions, but they didn't have time to answer all of them. In this podcast, BreastCancer.org medical advisor, Dr. Brian Wojciechowski, is going to answer the rest of the questions for us. If you'd like even more information, you can visit our special report on COVID-19 and breast cancer care at breastcancer.org slash COVID-19. And COVID-19 is all one word, no spaces, no hyphen. Dr. Wojciechowski practices medical oncology in Delaware County, Pennsylvania at Riddle, Taylor, and Crozer Hospitals. He trained at Temple University School of Medicine and Lankenau Medical Center. Dr. Wojciechowski is a sought-after speaker on the topics of medical ethics and the biology of cancer. Dr. Wojo, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for answering the rest of these questions for us. Thank you, Jamie. It's an honor and a privilege. So the first one is, is there evidence that people with metastatic breast cancer who are taking Ibrance and Letrozole have higher COVID-19 infection rates than other women diagnosed with breast cancer? Well, no, that hasn't really been teased out in in the in the in the data in the epidemiologic numbers. In other, in other words, it's hard to know that for sure. What we do know is that anyone with cancer is is at higher risk for for complications from COVID. And you know, and I would advise a woman who's on Ibrantz or who's not on Ibrantz dealing with breast cancer the same thing. I, w- I would tell them the same thing that, you know, just, just by virtue of the fact that you have cancer, you're at higher risk for probably catching the disease and definitely for complications from the disease up, up, up to and including death, unfortunately. Okay. So we don't really know about the infection rates though. I guess that it's, people are working so hard on studying treatments and cures. I think some of these, I don't want to call it secondary research, but sort of offshoot research, like who's getting infected the most hasn't really been um, looked at yet, or we don't have the data yet. Right. We just, the data just isn't that granular. We just don't have that specific info. Okay. All right. Thank you. So here is actually another question about metastatic breast cancer and Ibrantz. Should people with metastatic breast cancer taking Ibrantz return to work in public places? And there's a second part to that question. Are there specific breast cancer treatments, whether for early or advanced stage disease, that might make people more likely to be infected with COVID-19? So kind of a two-parter there. Yeah. So, um, that, that that's a tricky question because you know Ibrantz can lower the white blood cells, um, as I think many of our listeners know. But it's a low white blood cell count, so your white blood cells are primarily involved in fighting infection. And even though we know that the um, the white blood cells are low, it doesn't usually 
translate into a particularly high risk for infections. When I have patients on Ibrance, I, I don't see them getting infected more often than other patients with, say, pneumonia or urinary tract infections or skin infections, that sort of thing. So again, I don't think we really know if the low white count that women get on Ibrance is associated with a higher risk of getting infected with COVID. Now, question of should, should people go back to work in public while they're taking Ibrance? Well, uh, again, if you're taking Ibrance, it means that you have metastatic breast cancer. So by virtue of that, you're at higher risk of complications from the virus if you get the virus. And it's also complicated because people have different reasons for going back to work and, you know, people have different needs in terms of is that is that critical income? You know, are we are we worried about putting food on the table? Um, do 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 you or do you not have an option to stay home? Um, are you going to work because you love your job? But your survival doesn't depend on it. So I would say, if at all possible, that anyone with cancer, but but most, most importantly, anyone with metastatic breast cancer taking Ibrance should try to avoid any unnecessary public exposure right now. But what that means is you're making a judgment of how important it is for you to go back to work. And no no doctor no study you know the cdc and the world health organization can't make that judgment for you but all other things being equal i would say that it is still time to avoid unnecessary exposure in public if you can if you can help it if you must so if you have to go back to work you have to protect your mucous membranes so that means at the very least, cover the nose and the mouth, frequent hand washing, try not to touch the nose and the mouth, eye coverings if possible. I think we're a little more sure about nose and mouth transition transmission than we are about eye transmission. But if I was someone with metastatic breast cancer, I'd wanna take all the precautions that I could within reason. Okay, so can I ask you this? So do glasses? like regular eyeglasses, do they offer some sort of protection? And if somebody didn't necessarily need to wear glasses, could they buy, I don't want to say fake, but glasses that don't have any prescription in them, but just clear glass? Is that helpful? Yeah, well, a full face shield is the best because it would cover the eyes from many angles. And, and I'm not speaking from a scientific perspective here because I think we don't really know, but I think that I think glasses are probably better than no glasses, but a full face shield, you know, w would obviously give you more protection. Okay. The next question, have you seen any evidence in the people you care for of the stress of worrying about COVID-19 affecting cancer progression or weakening the immune system? There's really been no hard evidence that worry and anxiety can cause progression of cancer. You know, cancer progresses most of the time because 
the tumors pick up mutations and find ways to get around your treatment. That's the biology of cancer. And, you know, I've never seen any hard studies to suggest that depression or worry or anxiety can cause someone's cancer to get worse. So I wouldn't lose too much sleep over that particular concern. What about um, the weakening the immune system? Have you heard anything about that, like stress and anxiety affecting the immune system at all? I've heard a lot about that, actually, about whether or not it can affect the immune system. And uh, that that's a very tricky thing to measure, you know, because stress and anxiety is very subjective. People experience anxiety differently. Anxiety isn't something that's easily measured, like, for example, the size of a tumor. It's a very subjective thing, and it's also not a constant thing. So we're not constantly worried, and everyone has different symptoms when they get anxiety. Some people get physical symptoms. Some people get mental symptoms. So it, it's a very difficult thing to measure, and whenever someone makes the claim that anxiety and stress and depression and you know can decrease your immune system uh, i'm always skeptical of that because again very hard to measure and really no good solid scientific evidence okay okay thank you uh next question how safe is it to get my chemotherapy port flushed right now so uh, you know that usually happens in a doctor's office and it depends on the procedures at your doctor's office. And I will tell you that doctor's offices, at least I can speak for my practice, my office is a very safe place. And the reason I can say that is because we don't allow any visitors or guests into the office with patients. You know, unless someone has a disability where they need to have someone else with them. And even, even patients who are allowed into the office are screened pretty thoroughly for any symptom or exposure. Um, so for example, you can't come in if you have a fever or if you've had a cough or if you've been exposed to someone with COVID or if you work at a nursing home. So, you know, in, in, some, in some senses, your doctor's office might be one of the safest places for you to be. But I can't really answer that question for everyone because I don't know what each patient's office is. Uh, is, is I don't know what their, their hygiene and, and, you know, screening practices are. I would say in general, yes, it is safe to get your port flushed. Um, but again, do the precautions, do the, do the face mask, do the frequent hand washing. And I think the risk is pretty low. Okay. Okay. Have any of your patients with metastatic disease been diagnosed with COVID-19? And if so, how did their recovery go? Yeah, we had, we had uh, one or two of our patients in the practice with metastatic disease get COVID. And I'm happy to say they did not die from it. Recovery can be prolonged, and I think it was in, in one case where, um, you know, the, the person was hospitalized and they actually had to go to, you know, a long-term acute care facility for breathing support. 
um, and they had to stay on the high flow oxygen that you probably hear a lot about mm-hmm. for a good 30 or 40 days before they recovered. You know, I think that the same risk factors apply for metastat- for people with metastatic disease as would apply for anyone. So if, if you have medical problems like heart problems, diabetes, lung disease, if you're older, you know, you're going to be higher risk than if you don't have um, if you don't have those conditions. But most people who get COVID will survive. I mean, even for even for cancer patients, the chance of surviving COVID if you get it is is greater than 90 percent. That's a good statistic to know. Yeah, people should uh, people should hold on to that number if they're concerned. How isolated does someone on chemotherapy need to be right now? Is it okay for a spouse to make grocery or errand trips on public transportation, or is it better to have everything delivered? Well, the the food delivery services are so good these days and so easy to use. We've been using them a lot. I think... I think I would encourage my patients to to use that as much as possible. And if that's not if that's not possible and you have to get food, well you have to eat. Remember that, you know, transmission of COVID really happens from mucous membrane to mucous membrane. I don't think there's any strong evidence that it can spread to you by touching you know, a metal surface or, you know, a shopping bag or anything like that. It's really, you know, when, when, when material from someone else's mucous membrane comes in contact with your own. So, you know, someone coughs in your face or, you know, exchange of bodily fluids. I keep coming back to just wear the mask and wash your hands. You know, I have lots of colleagues who are lung doctors and infectious disease doctors who who on the front line of this pandemic have been seeing multiple covid patients every day for the past 4 months who have not gotten sick so you know the point the point is the point i'm trying to make is that wearing the mask works and washing your hands works and just following the guidelines will keep you safe Okay. So it sounds like, just to clarify a little bit, if somebody did have to go out or have a spouse or partner go out to get food and other necessary items, the person that goes out, wears the mask, comes home, washes hands, you know, takes off the mask right away. And then if people are really concerned, they could even wipe down whatever they've purchased if they felt super strongly about that. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, while I did say before that there's no evidence that you have a high chance of catching the virus from touching a surface, we do know that the virus can live on certain surfaces for a period of time. So the virus lives longer on hard surfaces, on metal surfaces, and lives shorter on soft surfaces like paper or plastic okay okay Okay. so if that's a if that's a real concern that's something else to bear in mind okay 
What questions should a person ask of her surgeons to ensure that proper safety protocols are in place at the facility? I think the most important question is, what is the screening procedure for people coming in and out of the hospital uh, for, for elective surgeries? And what's the screening procedure for staff members who will be assisting in the surgery? Um, you know, every hospital should have protocols in place to keep people who are infected or people who, you know, might have symptoms, concern for COVID or might have been exposed to COVID out of the hospital and out of the operating room. So if, if you had one question to ask the surgeon, it would be, what are your screening procedures? Okay. And I would assume, I'm going to extrapolate, I don't know the person who asked the question, but you could ask that question of any facility, whether you were going in for, uh, you know, a follow-up visit, you're going in for chemo, you're going in for surgery. Um, you, if you're concerned, you could ask that of any doctor's office or any other facility that you would be going into. You certainly can, and, and at my hospital, they're actually testing everyone for COVID who is getting a procedure. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, symptoms or not, they're they're, they're requiring. Uh, testing ahead of the procedure. So, you know, that's another good question for, for patients to ask their surgeons. Okay. Because I will say I've had to have um, two doctor's appointments since the pandemic has started. And in both cases, I was screened, my temperature was checked. Um, I texted or called to check in and then waited in my car and mm -hmm. nobody else was in the the, I guess, check-in area of the facility when I went in. So it was, I personally felt very safe. Now, I'm also not diagnosed with cancer, so I don't have that added burden, but um, it seemed like there were a lot of good protocols in place. It sounds like they're doing it right, Jamie. Yeah. And you know what? I apologize. I feel like we've already answered this last question, which is, can depression and anxiety weaken the immune system? That seems to be a really big concern. I, I have a feeling that people are feeling anxious, scared, depressed because of the whole pandemic, not being able to go out, not being able to see other family members, uh, especially if maybe some family members are in care facilities. That's obviously concerning. And it sounds like everybody's just really concerned that that's going to weaken their immune system. Yeah. I mean, people who suffer from depression, anxiety, understand that it it does take a physical toll on your body, especially anxiety. Uh, you know, anxiety can cause all kinds of scary physical symptoms, even to the point where you think you're going to pass out or die. I mean, it, it, it can it can be that bad. And, um, and and then even depression can cause can cause you to feel tired, um, can cause muscle aches and joint pain. So, you know, it's it's not unreasonable for people to think, well, you know, if, if I'm feeling this way physically, what is it doing to my immune system? The, the two things that I would say about that is, number one, again, there's no real good scientific evidence that it affects your immune system, depression and anxiety. And number two is just don't try to beat yourself up because people who really do suffer from these conditions, you know that it's 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 something you can't help all the time you know depression anxiety panic attacks a lot of times it just comes on and you can't control it it's not like you can flick a switch or anything like that 
So, you know, I would encourage people to talk to your therapist, do your meditation, do your cognitive exercises and, and just do your best with it. But don't get into the cascade of, well, I have anxiety and I'm, I'm worried about the immune system. So that's going to make my anxiety worse. Exactly. It's kind of a a whole chase your tail around and it. It just uh, keeps spiraling. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and it just, and it just keeps going up and up and up and, and you get on that vicious, vicious circle. So yeah, you know, easier said than done, but try not to lose too much sleep over that. And just, you know, just bear in mind that, you know, there really is not any strong scientific data, you know, to suggest that that affects your immune system. All right. Well, thank you so much, Dr. Wojciechowski. Really appreciate your insights and taking the time to answer these questions. Thank you, Jamie. Thank you for listening to the breastcancer.org podcast. Please subscribe on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. To share your thoughts about this or any episode, email us at podcast at breastcancer.org or leave feedback on the podcast episode landing page on our website. And remember, you can find a lot more information about breast cancer at breastcancer.org. And you can connect with thousands of people affected by breast cancer by joining our online community.